So today's reading from the first book of Kings, uh, I love it. It's really, it's really dramatic. If we were to actually see this take place, uh, it would be... It would be a bit gruesome, uh, but it would be just exceptionally dramatic. I know when, when it, it was very well read this morning, it was very well read, but there's, there's so much going on here that, uh, I'll just get to the point immediately, we'll start, we'll start with the point and then I'll try and clarify, but, but like, there's so much in this reading that requires phenomenal trust on, on the part of, of the, the prophet Elijah, like phenomenal trust, like I could die if this doesn't happen kind of trust. You know, like just it's it's unreal. It's just and it's so it's, it's so basically um, King Ahab, who was obviously supposed to be uh, the kings of Israel, were supposed to protect the relationship between God and the people. They were supposed to be kings who represent the people before God and so on. They were supposed to be uh, they were supposed to be covenant protectors. They were supposed to be uh, examples for their people. But very very often the kings failed and failed miserably. Uh, Ahab was one of them. <clears throat> so he fell into idolatry. So he adored this, this god, Baal, this more like a demon, if I'm honest. And you can see how I would think that uh, based on the kind of prayer that they do. We'll see a little later. So the king then, the king of Israel, starts to lead the people away from God, right? In doing so, he also brings an awful lot of priests <laughs> with him. So now there's one prophet left, Elijah, versus 450 prophets or priests of Baal. Right, one man, one man. Something like does the beginning of those movies in a world of darkness. One man standing against them. Anyway, uh, so he stands against all of these prophets. Okay, one man, and and he knows it. He knows he's way outnumbered, but he also knows he's got God on his side, and that gives him incredible confidence. So he asks, he he sets up a little challenge on on, on Mount Carmel. Build two altars, and bring us two bulls. And so they bring two bulls, and he says, "Okay, let the prophet of Baal. Okay, you, you can." Choose, choose whichever bull you want. They choose bull A. Up goes bull A. They, they dismembered, slaughtered, put it up on the altar. Don't light it. Don't light it. We'll, if your God is God, he'll light the fire. Do everything. Just don't light the fire. So they put the bull up. Timber's there. The wood's there. Altar's built. All is good. And they do their hobbling dance and start gashing themselves. So that's kind of... It's a brutal kind of prayer, really. I mean, I know we do Loch Derg. Loch Derg isn't like that. I mean... Lock Derg, you walk around barefoot and you get eaten alive by midgets, but it's, we don't gash ourselves. Like, so they're, kind of, they're, skirt, they're slashing themselves and doing this hobbling dance, as, as the, the reading describes it, a hobbling dance around the, around the altar. Uh, now, since Baal isn't God, he may, well, he may be a demon, he may be, we don't really know, maybe, possibly, but he's definitely not God. Uh, their prayer isn't answered. And then Elijah calls out and says, Call a little louder. Maybe, maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's away on holidays. That's biblical humor. So there isn't much of it in here in the Bible, but that's some of it there. Maybe he's gone away on holidays. Call a little louder. Maybe he's busy. Uh, so they hobble, they scourge and slash themselves and the whole lot, but obviously no fire falls. The, the, lot, the altar doesn't light. Then Elijah says, my altar, by the way, uh, can you get big jars of water and soak the whole lot? They said, why would you want to do that? If you wanted to light, why on earth would you want to do that? Let it be so. They do. They light it. Ah, do it again. They go soak the altar and the wood and the burnt off, well, the, the offering to be burnt, the bull. They soak it again. They soak it a third time, so much so that the trench around the altar is now full of water and the timber and everything is sopping wet. 
I, my, my heart even starts to sink at the thought of it. Like, if you're the one man there standing in front of the king of Israel, most powerful man in that part of the world, and all of his prophets, and it's just you and your faith that God will intervene. I don't, I mean, even, even now I'm getting a kind of this kind of uh, feeling like, because what if he doesn't? Like, um, what if he doesn't? And so the prophet Elijah walks forward. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let them know today that you are God in Israel and that I am but your servant and that I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and are winning back their hearts. Winning back their hearts. What a beautiful expression at the end. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the holocaust and the wood and licked up the water in the trench. And all the people fell on their faces. The Lord is God, they cried. The Lord is God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It just, when I hear this, like, I just, I think, like, the phenomenal confidence, the phenomenal trust that Elijah had in the Lord to intervene. It's just, it's, 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 as I say, he, he could have lost his life. The, um, Next part of the reading, which isn't read, is that Elijah might have taken a certain weapon and may have fatally injured some of the priests of, of Baal at that point. Uh, we leave that bit out. That's not necessary for today. We're going to end on a good note. Um, but I guess the, the, when I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking, what, what, can, what can I learn from this today? What can I learn from this today? How did, how did Elijah have that kind of confidence and how did it work? I think for myself, maybe for many of us, I think what's, what's, what's really important is that we give the Lord opportunities to show that we can trust him. Now you might say, well, I do that every day. I mean, I wake up, my day is a mess, um, so God help me. That's not really giving God an opportunity to help because we can be interfering <laughs> We can be interfering in the problem. Like, like uh, just someone who I know is in uh, a bad place, mentally they're, they're in a, uh, quite a dark place, and I ask them, well, how's, how's prayer going? Oh, I stopped. Right. When? Oh, around about the time things went bad. Right. See any correlation there? See any, any correlation? No? Because this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, when you stop praying, things get worse, or like in, in your own mind, things get darker, things get more... Uh, you feel more lost. Why do, why do you do that? Why do you cut out the very person you need uh, in your time of darkness? Let God be God. Let him be God in your life. Let, let, let him, like, give him an opportunity to show that he will carry you through. There's no point in saying, I, I, well, I woke up and God didn't do anything. No, you walked away from him. Let him be God, but you... You, you have to give him the opportunity. You stay with him. So like, you give him the problem trustfully. And then you wait, but you're not interfering. Because like, at times we can give God a problem, but we're kind of pulling it back. So, Lord, can you fix, can you fix this just, just a second, though? I'm just going to touch it up a little. If you can just hold on. You, you do your, wait a second, God. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fix it. <laughs> just, um, 
just hold on to just a, just a wee second, of, you know, and you're, you're, you're giving it to God, but, but, you're, but you're not really like, so, and then you wonder, why, why isn't God fixing it? Well, you didn't give it to him. We have to give God an opportunity to be God, which means we have to trust him, which means we have to let it go. Have to let it go. Now, this whole letting go thing, it's not the easiest concept to get because, we, we, yes, we give it to God, but we, it doesn't mean we don't act. It doesn't mean we're entirely passive. Like, you still have to get up in the morning. <laughs> you still have to prepare your work. You still have to take care of your kids. You still have to do your job responsibly. So you still have to do things. You still have to act. But it's always from his grace and for his glory. From his grace and for his glory. All that we do. So all that we do, we wake up in the morning and you've got a mountain of work ahead of you. All through his grace, all for his glory. And Lord, I give you this day. Even, even like yesterday, I thought, um, we have a benefactor's day coming up. And I thought, I have to write in or around 80 emails today. Plus my own personal ones, which I'm way behind on. And I'll never get it done. I'll just never get it done. I never, I never, never. It won't work. It won't happen. It never happens. And so I, yesterday I said very deliberately, Lord, I want to give you this today because there's a lot to get done. This week is very short. And just, Lord, use my time. Just, I give you the day. Just whatever needs to get done, get, let it get done. And towards the end of the day, I realized that I got everything done that I wanted to do and more. This works. <laughs> I have to let God be God. To give it to him, leave it with him, and trust him. And not pull it back. Allow him, allow him to win my trust. And, and we need those experiences, over, and we need to remember them afterwards. That, Lord, I trusted you with this, and it worked out. And I trusted you with that, and it worked out. And I trusted you with the other, and it worked out. Remember Israel, Shema Israel, remember the deeds of the Lord, remember what he has done. So now when the next thing comes out, I can trust you with that too. I give it to you, I step back, all out of your grace, all for your glory. So that way, these little victories should be seen in my heart. Why? <clears throat> that the people may know that I am the Lord, that, that, that God is the Lord, and that he might win back my heart. The Lord will, will work those often miracles, to be honest. They're, they're often hidden, hidden miracles, but miracles nonetheless. He will do so to win my heart. Now, as regards miracles, miracles aren't quite as straightforward as you might believe. In that, it's not that if a person sees a miracle, that's it, they convert and stay converted for life. I mean, I, I know people who have experienced miracles, miraculous healings, all sorts of miraculous things. And it, it doesn't have the effect you might think. Sometimes when they, when they get the gift they've always been praying for, they're like, oh, great, I have a healthy body. Party! No, 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 no. Don't go partying. Don't go, now with your healthy body, drag it all into sin. You've been given you know, the gift of a, of a, a, holy, a, a, a body made whole, now use it for the glory of God. Why, why would the Lord give you a, a healthy body that, that can now cause you to risk your soul? It's better you stay sick. So you've, you've received this, this healing, now use it for God's greater glory. Or you've received this healing, 
and then sometimes people can, can be a bit at, at a loss to know what to do now. They can feel a bit, who, who am I? I was always the, the, the sick person, the small person, the person with the wobble, the person, whatever it was. Uh, and now that I don't have that, who, who am I? And there's this identity crisis. It's interesting, like you, get, you receive a miracle and it doesn't just kind of equate immediate, immediately to deeper faith. Not necessarily. People, again, even in Jesus' time, they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead and immediately they plot against him to kill him. And Lazarus too. The man was just dead, they raised from the dead. And, and rather than this, this miracle causing, them, causing everyone to believe, the scribes and Pharisees plot against Jesus to kill him. So we, have to, don't, we shouldn't sim- simplify this too much, that if the Lord works more miracles, we'd all believe. I don't agree. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the Lord will give us exactly what we need, when we need it, how we need it, in the measure that we need it. We've just got to trust him. We've just got to trust him that he will do so at the right time. His timing isn't ours. <laughs> Keep in mind, he's been around for an awful long time. We, we haven't. So his timing can be different. Um, and imagine, like, even Elijah praying, Lord, um, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they lived an awful long time ago. I need a miracle within about five minutes, if that's okay. Um, let them know that you're Israel. Now. You know, because everyone's waiting and everyone's looking at me. And I could die very quickly if this miracle doesn't happen. Please, that'd be okay. But just, just, yeah, just that faith. I mean, he had phenomenal, phenomenal faith and the Lord rewards him for his trust. So us, for us today, let us let God be God. Let us trust him with all of our challenges and difficulties, our own personal things, those are the people that we are responsible for or whatever mission is entrusted to our care. Lord, we give it to you. And then we pull our hands back and we join them. Lord, we want to give you the opportunity to show that you're God, to win our trust. Lord Jesus, today, let us grant you every opportunity to win our hearts. Amen.